Praise the Lord, mightiest prophet of the Lord. Amen, uh, beloved people. What an awesome moment again to come to you this night. What a powerful way to spend this night. And I know that people heading to office tomorrow, I'll try to quickly bring this big boat to the shore. But uh, this has all been awesome. This is very powerful for the church. And uh, we have seen why the Lord, when he looked down from heaven, he looked yet, and you can see the storm is raging. The apostasy is raging. The hurricane of sexual sin and apostasy is raging on the earth, raging in the church. You can see the earthquakes and the storms of deception are raging full throttle, full volume, full throttle, full rage. And he looks down from heaven, and if he finds somebody still standing, then he calls them overcomers. He says, that is an overcomer. And he says, this is too awesome. This is awesome. I will build a pillar. On this one, I will build a pillar. I will build a pillar. When God, the Lord God himself says, I will build a pillar. So it became a challenge to the church. And I ask that when the Lord looks at you from his throne room in heaven, when the Creator looks at you, beloved people, does he see an unshakable Christian? The one that can form the support system of the earth. Does he see a staunch Christian, a loyal Christian, trustworthy, committed Christian, devout Christian, devoted, dedicated Christian, dependable Christian, reliable Christian, steady Christian, constant Christian, steadfast Christian, a stable Christian, resolute Christian, unwavering Christian, unswerving Christian, unhesitant Christian, unfaltering Christian, a faithful Christian. Does he see one? And he says, those Christians are the strong columns. They are strong metal columns for supporting the house. They are strong vertical columns made of strong metal that, that support the house of the Lord, either alone in concert with other pillars. And sometimes he says they can stand alone and stand alone pillars for decorative purposes, for ornamental decoration, to, to post beauty, to broadcast beauty, to publish beauty, the beauty of the house of the Lord, to broadcast the beauty of the house of the Lord. And so to enter deeper into our conversation, beloved people, I want us to venture into this conversation by looking at Hiram's beauty. Hiram is spelled H-I-R-A-M, beauty, Hiram's beauty. Because he said, I will make a pillar. I will make a pillar in the temple of God. So I want to look at some pillars that were made. I can have nowhere to turn to except look at someone's temple. The temple that was built 
Amalekites built like short Moses, built like this one down there. The framework, the entire construct, the formation, was that which was shown him in heaven. So the title of this segment is Hiram's Beauty and in Solomon's Temple. The next under his title can be Solomon's Temple. And then the last title, which is our call for today, the calling for this night, is called The Pillars. The Pillars. We have nowhere to turn to except to look at half the pillars of the house of the Lord that were built by Solomon, how they were instructed by Jehovah, the place of his worship. So we can develop an understanding, so you can have a little contextual value, a little perspective on how the pillar in heaven will look like. The pillars in heaven will look like. So, beloved people, the first scripture there we are going to turn to to open up this powerful, mighty segment is the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. And I'm reading from verse 13 to 22 as much as I am enabled, as much as we will need in this conversation. 1 Kings, chapter 17, verses 13 to 22. Building the pillars, and, and the title there is Hiram's Beauty. Building the pillars in the temple of God. And he wants to build pillars like this in the temple in heaven. So can we look at this one that was built here under his, his instruction and develop some extrapolation so we can do a trajectory and see how the other pillars might look like. For those of you that really long to enter heaven as overcomers, The question is, when the storms are raging, have you stood? Have you stood? So, Hiram's beauty, the pillars of Solomon's temple, that is 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 13 to 22. He says, King Solomon sent to Tyre and brought Huram, whose mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and whose father was a man of Tyre and a craftsman in bronze. So let me explain that a little bit. This widow was actually not from Naphtali. This widow was a Danian. She was raised in the city of Dan. That is in the northern kingdom, in the northern kingdom of Israel. But she got married to a Hebrew man from the tribe of Naphtali. So... It was counted upon her that she belonged to Naphtali. That's why you see here, she's assigned to Naphtali. The mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali. And he says here, his father was a man from Tyre and a craftsman. So let me explain this a little better. So this widow, this woman, this woman was from Dan. She was raised from the tribe of Dan. She belongs to the Danian. And that is the northern kingdom in Israel. And she got married to a Hebrew man from the tribe of Naphtali. And when her husband died, 
then she was redeemed by a Tyranian, by a man from Tyre. And so when she remarried this man upon the death of her husband, who was from Naphtali, but because she was married from Dan to Naphtali, she was assigned to the tribe of Naphtali. So she's considered as the Naphtalian from Naphtali, the tribe of Naphtali. And so when she was getting married now to this Tyrian, Tyrian from Tyre, these are not Hebrew tribes. Then now they considered her as an Aftali woman that was married to a Tyrian, to a man from Tyre. Remember the cities of Tyre and Sidon, the Atheist cities, the Gentile cities. And when she married that man, then they gave birth to Hiram. Sometimes they call him Uran, Uram, but his name is Hiram. Uram was highly skilled and experienced in all kinds of bronze work. He came to King Solomon and did all the work assigned him. This is a very amazing conversation the Lord is having with the church. Because let me extrapolate it a little bit more for you. Let me begin with King David, the father to King Solomon. So King David, David wanted to build a temple for the Lord, the house of worship, where to put the ark of God. And the Lord refused him by saying, your hands have a lot of blood. Your hands are tainted with so much blood. You cannot. And so when David began to gather these things, he gathered so many hundreds of thousands of talents of gold and bronze and all that for the temple for whosoever the Lord will permit to build will have the materials ready. That we know David did. But when David was building his own house, his own palace, and King David is very big in Israel. That's why the top hotel where presidents stay in Israel is called King David Hotel. Magen David Adom, that is the, 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 the ambulance. David is very big. King David is very big in Israel. So when King David wanted to build, when he was building his own palace, he sent a message to one of the kings in down there, those areas of Lebanon. And he asked for wood. He asked for many things. He asked for wood. He asked for cedar, special wood. He asked for special things that were required to build his, his palace. And that king supplied him with a lot of the cedar wood and all those things he needed, and he built a palace. Now, when the time came for the authorized one, King Solomon, to build the temple of the Lord, it's amazing because he sent out a message. He sent a message to the king of Tyre. He sent a message to the king of Tyre 
asking him to send him some materials and some skilled men. Skilled men. Men that can build the, the house of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And if you listen to the narrative, it's amazing, because these were mainly atheists and idol worshippers, and they were worshipping other things. Sometimes they offered human sacrifices. And when they did this, it is amazing that sometimes when they did this, this kind of sacrificing, when they did all this, caught up and totally engrossed into their human sacrifice, atheist worship, idol worship. And then King Solomon, who is mandated to build the temple of the Lord, he has the mandate, he has been allowed by the Lord, then he sends a message to the king of Cairo. And he says, I want to build the house of the Lord. And as you are aware, the house of the Lord my God must be built in a very powerful way by skilled men. And it must be a great house because the Lord my God is the greatest God above all the gods. That's the letter he wrote. Therefore, I want you to send me some skilled person who will do the following work. And he was essentially rubbishing their God and talking about the greatness of Jehovah in the face of this begging, this supplication. That, that, that to me was very powerful. That he exalted the name of Jehovah. And so, when it was now time to build the house of the Lord, and there was need to build the most important part of the house, the pillars, this is the letter he wrote. In fact, in other versions they say, King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. By the leading of the Spirit of the Lord, God made him know that there is somebody down there. He had downloaded upon him the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of knowledge and wisdom and craftiness and all this to be able to work on bronze, on metals like iron, bronze, and gold that would be needed to construct the pillars in the temple of God because the pillars would have to stand out as the most beautiful and the most powerful part of the temple of the Lord. Hey. Now you can understand for yourself what the overcomers represent in the house of the Lord when he sees them, how steadfast, how dedicated, how zealous and committed and unshakable unwavering, unswerving, they are. Then he says, I will build a temple. Then you imagine for yourself what component, what part
behind the first Kings chapter 7, 13 to 22, I'm reading for you. Someone had been blessed by the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and given the particular skill to build the pillars of the temple of God. So they built all the other things, but when it came to the pillars, King Solomon sent for a skilled person that God had prepared. King Solomon sent to Tyre and brought Huram, whose mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali. Now I've made you understand she was a Danian woman, a Danian woman that got married to Naphtali, and the husband now she was married from Naphtali to Tyre. And whose father was a man of Tyre, a craftsman in bronze. Hiram was highly, now look at the person he brings. That king sent him this person. Hiram was highly skilled and experienced in all kinds of bronze work. And he came to King Solomon and did everything, all the work assigned him. He cast two bronze pillars, each 18 cubits high and 12 cubits round by nine. He also made two capitals, the capitals, I told you, those are the top of the, the decoration on top of the pillars. He also made two capitals of cast bronze to set on the top of the pillars. Each capital was five cubits. Let me stop there for a moment and read another version. This is powerful. That when you want to be the pillar in the temple of God, it is not just anybody that can build it. That is just how treasured and how special and how spectacular the pillars in the house of the Lord are. That is what overcomers are in the house of the Lord in heaven, in the temple of God in heaven. I, this is very powerful. This is a serious message to the church, a serious indictment to the body of Christ globally, that in your Christian salvation, tell me one thing, are you an overcomer? Are you an overcomer? Have you overcome? Are you an overcomer? Have you overcome the world? Have you overcome Satan? Have you overcome evil? Have you overcome sin? When the storms of apostasy are raging, the storms of immorality and moral decay on TV, on newspaper, on phones, on everything, it's just immorality, immorality and sexual sin. When all that is raging in the house of the Lord at the pulpit, the false apostles are raging, the false prophets are raging, and they are wielding dominion. Sometimes you almost feel you can submit to them. Have you stood? Have you remained standing while everybody fell to them? Have you remained standing? Have you remained standing? That when the Lord looks at you and says, on this one, this is too awesome, I will build a pillar. I must build a pillar. Now you are beginning to understand the pillar I am talking about. The tremendous pillar. And as I do this, I want uh, I want Bishop Macharia in the office, I want them to send a copy of that, the two sample of the two pillars of Solomon's temple to the radio team so they may dis- they may send it out. So they may disseminate it out. So you may have an idea of the pillars they were setting out to build. They had to find someone outside. He was not there. And Hiram was well placed. 
Hiram was touched by the Holy Spirit, prepared by the Spirit of the Lord. In the same way you are going to see, Bezalel was prepared. We are going to get there. And there is a design of the pillar of the Solomon, of the Temple of Solomon that I sent to the office team. They can send it to the radio so it can be sent. So you see the sample of what needed to be built and now put on the temple to give its value as a subsystem, but also on a mental value. To add value, value addition to the temple that he built in Jerusalem. That you may understand the treasure of what the overcomers are when he says, I look at them, once I encounter them and see them unshakable, standing unshakable, I say, I will build a pillar. On these ones, this is too awesome, I must build a pillar. In the temple in heaven, I'm using the temple on the earth for you to de- develop a trajectory, extrapolate. And imagine for yourself what the overcomers and their pillars will be in the temple of God in eternity of heaven. And he says, let's read the other version. Let's see, because here he says that Hiram was highly skilled and experienced in all bronze works, all kinds of bronze works. And he came to King Solomon and he did all the work assigned him perfectly, very powerfully. Let me read a bit from King James so you can see. He says, and King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. That's why I call him Hiram, because from King James they call him Hiram. In NIV they call him Huram. That is the same name. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali. I've told you she was a Danian woman, a Danian woman that was married to the Naphtalian. So a widow, she was a son, she was a son a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali. And his father was a man of Tyre. A worker of brass, you know, brass bronze. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning and proud all his work. So let me describe. They are describing, they say it. Even though his father was a tyrant, or was from Tyre, but Hiram was filled with wisdom, number one, with understanding, number two, and was cunning, cunning. He was cunning to work all work of brass. He was cunning. And when you look at cunning in the definition of the Lord here, he's saying somebody that can make invention. He's, re- he's relating it to an inventor, someone that is so anointed of the Lord in this work, in this area, that he can make invention, he can generate things and invent things and produce new things. That is the context under which he's using cunning. And only the Spirit of the Lord could do this. And he came to King Solomon and he wrote all his work. He completed all the work. Faith. The pillars of the Lord. The pillars 
that God Almighty instructed to be constructed in the temple of God that Solomon built in Jerusalem. We are using that as an example to really extrapolate, to really bring out what the Lord means when he engages with overcomers and says, you are so awesome, I must build a pillar. I will build a pillar. When Jehovah, the Lord God himself says, I will build a pillar, it is not small. It is not small. And he goes on in the subsequent verses to describe the detail of the pillars. He says he built two bronze, two bronze pillars, each 18 cubits high and 12 cubits round in line. Maybe sometimes he's talking about diameter and circumference. He also made two capitals to cast of cast bronze to set them on top of the pillars. And I told you that the capitals are the decorated tops of the pillars. Each capital was five cubits high, a network of intervening chains, festooned, fashioned, and festooned, in other words, fashioned the capitals, intervening chain, fashioned the capital on top of the pillars. Seven of each capital. Again, seven on each capital. He made pomegranates. He made pomegranates. These are special fruits. There's a special tree. He made pomegranates in two rows and circling each network to decorate the capitals on top of the pillars. He did the same for each capital. He made pomegranate, and then he used them now in those rows to decorate the pillar, the capital, the top of the pillar. That's what he's saying here. And he did the same for each of the capitals. The capitals on top of the pillars in the portico of the, of the temple outside there were in the shape of lilies, four cubits high, on the capitals of both pillars, Above the bowl, above the bowl, above the bowl-shaped part to the network, where the two hundred pomegranates, the two hundred pomegranates in rows all around, he erected the pillars at the portico of the temple. The pillars to the south, he named Hakim. And the, the pillar, there were two pillars. The pillar to the south, he named Akim. And the one to the north, he named Boaz. And then he says, and, they, and these names have a purpose. Akim says, the Lord is constant. Boaz talks about strength. Let's move on, beloved people. And the capital on top were in shape of lily and so the work on the pillars was completed look at that verse look at all that verse 22 that is the skillful work that the holy spirit had endowed on hiram to come and accomplish you needed a specialist to now come and do this and fit it on the temple 
And when this was done, you could count as the temple was done. And if you look at the exterior positioning of the pillar, then you understood. And in front of the pillar, in between the two pillars, then now you have the olive door. And of course, the golden lamp stand in front at the altar. So you can imagine what these two are sent for. You can already begin to think about that. The two pillars, and then you have the altar, the golden altar, the golden stand in front, in between the two pillars. You can imagine what those two pillars stand for the church now, 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 and what they stood them for Israel too. Because now between them is the altar and the lamp, the golden lamp. Very powerful, beloved people. And so, Naphtali, she got married to Naphtali, and then finally now, she got married to a man from Tyre, and then the son they gave back to, it's amazing because it's a mix between the Hebrew and the Tyrenian, so that allowed him to be able to blend in, to come in there with the skill the Lord has put in him because of the great work he needs to do, and the Lord has to bring him from out to come and do a special duty, just do a special thing. He comes in with a very special instinct and knocks it down in precision, psychical precision. He accomplishes, he hammers the work, he accomplishes it very perfectly, and the work is done. But you can imagine the blend between the Hebrew and the Tyrrhenian. That blend, that mix between the two, allowed him to understand the Hebrew worship and hence the requirements and to receive the anointing from the Lord to do this work, and then also to now come from outside strictly for work. For work, no familiarity. When it comes to the pillars, someone very skillful, anointed of the Lord in a special way has to do this. Nothing less. The mother from the tribe of Dan married to Naphtali the northern kingdom of Israel. The husband died, married a Tyrrhenian man, and they have a son, and they call him Hiram. King Solomon hears about how God has anointed him, and the Lord directs King Solomon to talk to the king of that kingdom and calls for him. He sent, and God placed upon Hiram the skills to work on bronze and brass, which is same, and gold and iron. And he comes all the way. But we are reminded here that the skill that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has placed on Hiram is exactly the same skill that he placed on Bezalel. So let us turn from first Kings chapter 17, 13 to 22, let us now turn to Exodus 31, verses 3 to 6, that we may understand the skills required to build these pillars, and hence how special they are is heavily underscored. Hallelujah. Exodus 31, beloved people, the book of Exodus 31, Verses 3 to verse 6. 
And he says, in fact, I could read in verses 3, we can start verse 2, to verse 6. Verse 1, we can start 1. Let's read the whole thing. Exodus 31, verses 1 to verse 6, because the same skill that he gave Hiram is the skill he actually gave to Bezalel. And he says here, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Huz, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, and the skill, the ability, and the knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver, in bronze, to cut and set stones, to work on wood, and to engage in all types of craftsmanship, 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 craftsmanship. And before we go further into that, very powerful. I want to go further there to verse 6. But first I want to come back. Let's just read 6 and finish then. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiah, son of Ahisamak, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. I also have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded to you. Very powerful, beloved people. The same skill given here. But when you still go back, when you go back a little bit, this is very powerful. We are coming to it again more and more. But when you go back to First Kings again, chapter 7, again what we read in 13 to 22, there is a greater detail I read down there. I read down there pomegranates and lilies and brass and capitals and interwovenness, the chains that were interweaving to decorate the top of the the top of the pillars. Why? If you see the way Bezalel was instructed to construct sacred garment of the Lord that Aaron, the high priest, was supposed to use on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, to enter with into the Holy of Holies. Then you'll find the following. You'll find that he placed along the hem of the garment, after he had put all the stones, the 12 stones and name it, the breastplate and all these things. But along the hem of the garment, he had put, he was instructed by the Spirit of the Lord to put interchanging pomegranate, that fruit, and a bell. Pomegranate, a bell. Pomegranate, a bell. Pomegranate, a bell. Pomegranate, a bell. In that alternating sequence, so that there were bells and pomegranates. And then he draws very beautifully the fruit and its leaves. And when you look at the work Hiram did, Hiram also uses 
pomegranate. And decorate with its leaves. And then eventually, of course, designs lily. And of course, we know that the Lord is known as the lily, the lily of Israel. But we'll come to that. But I'm saying, the pomegranate that he uses, then he puts their leaves and their fruit in a certain alternating order on the capital of the pillars. And we know that they used pomegranate to symbolize the tree of life. They used pomegranate to symbolize, as a symbol, they picked on the plant and used it as a symbol with its leaves and fruit, as the symbol of the tree of life. How awesome! This is what was happening here. Bezalel is working with pomegranate on this side, and then on this side you find that Hiram is busy with pomegranate and putting them on the pillar. Right. And one pillar is called Shakim, Hakim, the J becomes H, Hakim. And the other pillar is called Boaz. Hakim Boaz. The Lord establishes strength. Very powerful, beloved people. And now we see very clearly here that Bezalel is given a skill. So let's see what we have seen until now. That Bezalel and Hiram, Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God. Same thing happened to Hiram. When it comes to building the pillars of the temple of the Lord, not anybody can build it. Only a skilled one can build it as a special mission. Because the pillars are the support. And the pillars stand out also. They are the ones that are going to give ornamental value. If you look at the Temple of Solomon, they were standing like this, supporting, but in the front like this. In fact, they stood out with this golden tinge, the bronze color. They stood out when the sun lit on them, when the sun lit them up. They did shine that, that beautiful bronze, and they stood out. And they added value, and they adorned and gave the temple beauty. They beautified the temple, ornamental value. They became the decor, decoration of the temple. So, Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of the Lord, and to divide cunning skills as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the same thing with Hiram. So you turn to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beloved people. Powerful sermon on the overcomers. Now you're beginning to understand who the Lord calls overcomers and why. This is absolutely awesome. The book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father 
of the heavenly life, who does not change like shaking shadows. So that is very powerful. He's describing to you where these gifts have come. We know that the Lord himself has pronounced himself on these gifts. He says, I have filled them with the Spirit of the Lord. But just to nail down the point, I've read for you from James chapter 117, where you see that every good gift and skill has actually come from our Father, and He calls Him the Father of life. Why? Why does He call Him the Father of life? He's not the Father of life, whose shadow does not shift. Number one, we know that He created all the suns above the earth, all the stars and the suns that provide life. So you can think for yourself how big Jehovah God himself is. If some of the suns are 600 billion times the size of our sun in our solar system, if he can create the sun in our solar system, is about 1.9 million Earths that would fit into that mass. And there are other suns that are 600 billion times bigger than our son. And he created them all. That's why he's calling him the father of the light. But he's also the father, not only of the exterior light, the moons and the stars and the suns, but also the inner light that is within the life of the believer. So we see him here anointing a wise, it is a heart. That's the heart, that, a, a wise heart. A wise and heart, the heart has, that has become wise. He anoints them and he gives them skills, all manner of cunning, skills, wisdom, craftsmanship by the Holy Spirit. Exceptional power given to Hiram and Bezalel now for comparison. Exceptional wisdom given to Hiram to build what? To build the pillars. To build what? The pillars of God. The pillars in the temple of God, beloved people. Exceptional power. Exceptional wisdom. Exceptional knowledge. Exceptional intellect. Exceptional artistic ability. Exceptional cunningness to be able to be an inventor, to invent things, and also to be able to generate things, new things, invent new things. Exceptional wisdom to be able to receive instruction and, and produce exact. Divine gifting from Jehovah. Exceptional knowledge. Exceptional understanding. Exceptional dexterity of their hands. Exceptional skills. And all this must be harnessed to the praise of God. Exceptional wisdom to become an inventor and generate new things. Job chapter 38, verse 36. Job 38, 36, beloved people. Job 38, 36. How awesome the pillars when he says, I will build the pillar. God now wants to build a pillar, and look at what the Lord is going through. He chooses exceptional skills, 
exceptional power, exceptional intellect, exceptional abilities, exceptional giftings, exceptional knowledge, exceptional understanding, exceptional dexterity, exceptional processing, processing, to be able to process things, to process bronze, process melt them, smelt them. Huh? How powerful, beloved people. Job 38, verse 36. And he says, Who endowed the heart with wisdom and gave understanding to the mind? That is Jehovah. Isaiah 28, 26. Isaiah 28, verse 26. He says, Isaiah 28, 26, he says, His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Wisdom for generating things, for inventing things. This is what was required to build pillars. And this is what the Lord required to build the pillars in heaven. When he meets the overcome, I say, ah, on this one now, I cannot use the regular builders. I need a special input of the special skill. Somebody has to come from out and come and now build this pillar. And have to have exceptional of everything. Exceptional power, exceptional wisdom, exceptional skills, exceptional everything plus dexterity of hands. And we know who that is. Coming now on a special mission, the Holy Spirit. But in this Solomon temple, you can already see the catapulting, how he has already now trajected out. He has shot out the building of the pillars and the value and treasure of the overcomers before God. Hey. The book of Ezra 24. Why is he doing this? Why does he want to raise them before him? Ezra 24 verse 4. Ezra chapter 24 verse 4. And they had to put the tree of life over there. Ezra 24, verse 4. What does it say? It says, Moses then wrote down everything the Lord said. You can imagine the skills of writing. Everything, the skills of writing the things of God. Which is totally different from your regular writing abilities. The things of God are tremendous. So, Moses then wrote down everything the Lord said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars Representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent the young Israelite man and the right to offer the offering of the Lord. Look at that. Otherwise, he now builds 12 pillars. And each pillar 
is representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, right before the Lord now, you have the 12 tribes of Israel represented by 12 pillars and essentially presenting the tribes of Israel before God. And that also represented their standing before the Lord. How the Lord considers them. They are pillars for him. For him, he looks at them as pillars. It speaks about what they are to Jehovah Yahweh. And the pillars are set up around the altar of the Lord where sacrifice, worship takes place. So Solomon's pillars, very beautiful, Hakim and Boaz, representing the cloud that was ahead of them. Ahead of them in the wilderness, all the way. One of them represents that cloud. Ahead of them all the way. And the other represents the fire of God that showed up in the night. The cloud that always guided them, navigated them, hovering in front of them, leading them through the wilderness, taking them to the place of worship. And the other pillar, the fire that was called down from heaven in the night. Fire that came down from heaven. Because in the dream the Lord said, in the recent dream he said, they were doing so. They were doing the same thing before the Messiah came. Both of them. Solomon's pillars to hold up the temple, to bolster the temple, to buttress the temple, to bear the temple, to prop up the temple, to reinforce the temple, to beautify the temple, to broadcast the temple, to publish the temple, to defend the temple, to give the temple a standard to differentiate from other gods and other houses of worship. To hold up the temple, to bolster the temple, to buttress the temple, to bear the temple's weight, to bear it, hold it, to prop up the temple, to reinforce the temple, to beautify the temple, to broadcast the temple to the world, that when the light shines on the bronze like gold, it glitters the glamour, to publish the temple abroad, to defend the temple, and to give the temple a standard, the standard of God, to tell all the other religions, tell all the other things, this one is like this. This one stands like this. This is the benchmark for this one. This is the standard for this one. This one is different. Hey. Then you can imagine for yourself what the overcomers will do in the temple of God Almighty in heaven. And by setting a standard in the temple of God, the overcomers now will set an example. They will set the benchmark of worship there. There will be an appetite. There will be a grade, a quality, the yardstick of worship in the temple. 
this again. I let me repeat the whole, and then I'll focus on the standard they are in the temple of God, the overcomers. To hold up the temple, those pillars are to hold up the temple of God, to bolster the temple, to buttress the temple, strengthen it from down there, the footing, to bear the temple, to prop up the temple, to reinforce the temple, to beautify the temple, remember brass and broad, beautiful, to broadcast the temple abroad, to publish the temple abroad to those who are far to see, to defend the temple because they were at the door, and to give the temple a standard. And under the standard, that is an example of worship in the temple, to set a benchmark of worship in the temple, to become an archetype for the temple, for the worship in the temple, to become the grade, the gauge of worship in the temple, to set up the quality of worship in the temple, and to become the yardstick of worship in that temple. How awesome, beloved people. The overcomers. When he saw them, no wonder when he saw them, he said, this is too awesome. I will build the temple. I will build a pillar. I must build a pillar here. I must build a memorial with these ones here. These ones must be in the house forever, never to leave it again. Aye. And Moses in Exodus 24, verse 4, he raised up some 12 stone pillars before the Lord and sacrifices there, and the cloud of God comes there. Meaning, presenting them before the Lord. And now you see, he says, for the overcomers, when the storms of the apostasy rage on, and they remain standing, unshakable, he says, these ones are too awesome. They are so awesome, I must build a pillar. And when they enter into the house as pillars, now they remain in the presence of God eternally, which represents what they are to God. They are standing before God and what they represent to God. What they represent before Him. Hey. What they are to God Yahweh. And they are next near, they are all around the altar, so you can imagine. The worship is taking place there. They are represented there. Those, the tribes of Israel were represented, meaning these overcomers are now also represented in the process, in the presence of God himself. How awesome to fight and struggle and strive by the help of the Holy Spirit to become an overcomer in the house of the Lord. And he promises them those bounties, those wonderful tokens of reward I began with. He comes out in this life and gives them their rewards right away. He says, when you come, I'll give you this one here. It's no secret. So God's pillars. What lessons from Solomon's temple? Number one, there are two pillars of brass. And they're beautiful. They shine out that color and distinguish from the rest of the material of the temple. Number two, they represent a covenant with Jehovah. An everlasting eternal covenant with Jehovah. Number three, one represents the cloud of God that went ahead of them in the day. And the second represents the fire that lit up in the night to give them light and to protect them from their enemies. And all the animals ran away when they saw the fire. 
The Egyptians ran away when they saw the fire. One pillar represents Moses, the friend of God. In other words, represents the law. The law. The law of God. The Ten Commandments. The other pillar represents the prophet. The other pillar represents Elijah, the greatest prophet of God, who symbolizes the prophet. The fire that came in the night, it lit up. The fire that came down from heaven in the night, it kept away the enemies of Israel. The animals ran away. And the lamp stand in the temple represents the Lord of all the earth. The pillars became the beautification of the temple, the bronze, the decoration. Pomegranates representing the tree of life of faith. This is a serious thing, beloved people, when the Lord says, for them I will build a pillar. I will build a pillar. I have to. How about the significance of all this now to you? As we summarize this, what is the significance to you? In other words, you hear the Lord calling all people, all Christians of this generation, God is calling them to become faithful pillars in the house of the Lord. He's calling all Christians to stand firm, unshakable, dedicated, committed, unwavering, unfolding, unfaltering, to, to become steadfast within the raging storm. That you may become overcomers, and then you may become the faithful pillars in the house of Jehovah in heaven. That is the message to the church that is listening to me now. That all of you are being called on to become those beautiful pillars that will require the skillful one to come out on a special mission with special dexterity, with exceptional power, exceptional cunning, exceptional inventor, exceptional invention, skills or invention, the artmanship, the artmanship, the skillfulness, the craftsmanship, all these now exceptional in the house. He is calling you to become an exceptional Christian that you may be able to become an exceptional pillar in the temple of your God in heaven for eternity into the eternity of the eternity. That you may serve to support the house of the Lord. That you may be the source of the strength of the house of the Lord in heaven. That you may be its backbone. That you may be its bread to profit up. And for you to become a pillar as a Christian, what you need to do? Then you need the following. This is now the message to the church. Those who want to become overcomers. Second Timothy, beloved people, chapter 2. For you to become that pillar, what do you need to be? Second Timothy, chapter 2. Again, the book of Second Timothy, beloved people, chapter 2. 
verses 19 to 22. Second Timothy 2, 19-22 says the following. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, filled with the inscription, the, the faith of God, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness, from sin, other versions say from sin. Must be part from iniquity, according to King James. And he says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble purposes. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, from sin, he will be an instrument for noble purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work, including the pillars in the house, the temple of the Lord in heaven for eternity. Good works here and there. So what is he saying there, people? How do you become that pillar as a Christian? In number one, he says, Second Timothy chapter two, nineteen to twenty-two, meaning you must be built upon the solid foundation of the rock. That's what he says here. The solid foundation of the rock. So those pillars you see standing, when the storm rages, the storm of apostasy, the storm. First of all, let's begin with the physical pillars. Let's say a tsunami, a hurricane, an earthquake passes through an area. And then you see that all the buildings are flattened down. Then you'll always see one or two buildings probably ravaged, and then you see the, col the columns, the pillars standing. You see their pillars standing. If the storm was so bad, you see their pillars still faithfully standing. They are erect. They are standing vertical. They have not gone horizontal. Those pillars standing, they speak a lot about the quality of the pillar itself. That is the testing of the pillar, the storm. It is the storm that tests the pillar, the saltworthiness of the pillar, the seasoning of that pillar. And when you see that after a huge earthquake, or a tsunami, or a hurricane, the, the, the buildings are down, but the pillars remain standing in the four corners or wherever. Then it speaks so much about during the building of that column, the building engineer dug deep and reached the rock, the foundation stone at the foundation of the earth. He reached the, the rock that makes up the foundation of the earth, then he launched the foundation of that pillar from down there. So my question to you as a Christian is this. Have you launched your Christian salvation upon the foundation, the rock that is the foundation of the earth, whose name is Christ Jesus?
Jesus, the rock of all ages. And you can almost tell that a majority of churches, the answer is no. Because of the way they are faltering, they are wavering, they are non-committed, they are not faithful. You can just say they are not launched on the rock. It's obvious. You don't need an answer. So, the solid foundation of the pillars. And number one, I said, Second Timothy chapter 2. The, rock, the solid foundation of the rock. The solid foundation of the rock, number one. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Number two, the book of Psalms, 118, verse 22. Psalms 118, 22. That every pillar that will stand for God the Father to come and find it standing and decide that this one is too awesome, I will build a pillar in my temple in heaven. Every single pillar that stands, every overcomer that stands, is indeed launched on the rock, the rock that is the foundation of the earth. Come 118 beloved people, verse 22, Psalm 118, 22, he says, Psalm 118, 22, he says, The stone that builders rejected has become the capstone. So you know what foundation the pillars need to be launched for them to withstand the raging immorality on the earth that has brought down the pulpits of the earth, the moral decay, the deception, the false prophets, false apostles, that you may not be swayed to them, you may not be seduced to them, that you may stand. You have to be launched as an overcomer on the solid foundation that is the rock, that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 28. Those who build on the sand were swept away by the storm of apostasy. Those that built the foundation of their salvation, their house of worship, their salvation, on the rock, the storm came. They were not swayed at all. They were not pushed. Everything went down, but they remained standing. And when the Father saw them, then he said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, this is too awesome. These overcomers, they are too awesome. I must build a pillar. I must build a pillar in the house of worship of God in heaven, the temple of God in heaven for eternity to eternity of the eternity forever. Where forever means forever. And Genesis 49, verse 24. Genesis 49, 24. The solid foundation you need so that you can become an overcomer, so that you can become pillar-worthy, a pillar-worthy Christian. That when the Lord sees, He says, this one is too awesome, I have to build a pillar. I must. 
Genesis 49-24. But his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Israel, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. Whatever comes through, you remain steady. The book of Psalms 78, verse 35. That means for you to be an overcomer and that pillar, you have to reprioritize now. Psalm 78.35, in finishing, and he says, they remember that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. How powerful. And now, because of that, once you are launched on the rock, then Matthew chapter 6, 33 happens. Matthew chapter 6, 33 happens to them. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, beloved people. And he says, 32, 33, but sit Ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. So the reason they remain standing when the storms of apostasy are raging, when the storms of immorality and falsehood, false preachers, false gospel, modern gospel, modernism, modern Christianity, lukewarm Christianity, deception, lies, false prophets, false apostles, immorality, heavy storms raging, the reason they remain standing is because once they are launched on the rock that is the foundation of the earth, the rock that is Jesus, then now their prioritization has changed. Their priority is totally reconfigured. They seek first, you see, they seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when the Lord looks at them at the end, as the storms are raging, he says, these ones are too awesome. I will build a pillar. I must build a memorial pillar for memory, for a memorial, for a covenant, for a witness, for a lasting witness, a lasting covenant, for ornamental value in my house. And you see, Matthew 6, 19, 20, 19, 24 applies. Second Peter 3, 18. All these apply, beloved people. The support, the support stone. And they support one another. So when you see them in the church, then you understand what Matthew 25, 1 to 13 stands for. When you see the pillars of the church, they are busy supporting other members of the church to make them have the light, have the oil. Make sure if you see Jesus, if you see the Holy Spirit also, they are support. They are the pillars in the house. So shall they be pillars in heaven too. 
they are the light in the house. They are the ones building it to full stretcher, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 to 16, to full stretcher, to the height of Christ. So, in the same context he says, And I'll write on them the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven for my God, and I'll write on him my new name. So what does it mean that these pillars now bear the name of God? Number one, when they're on the earth here, which means to bear God's name, you must bear his identity. You must bear his eternity. You must bear his honor. You must bear his glory. You must bear his majesty. You must bear his authority. You must bear his character. You must bear the heritage of God, the identity of God, the heritage of God. You must bear God's identity. You must bear God's eternity. You must bear God's honor. You must bear God's heritage. You must bear God's character. You must bear God's authority. You must bear God's majesty. You must bear God's glory, God's honor. These are the things that characterize the people that become overcomers. Thank you very much, beloved people. I know that the Lord will bring me back to you whenever the Spirit of the Lord allows the truth to minister again. And yesterday they had such a tremendous conversation. It's a non-stop conversation about eternity. And one goes to heaven, comes, talks to the earth, and so forth. Sometimes both. This is what it means to be an overcomer, beloved people. Those who want to receive the Lord say, Precious Jesus, I repent today. I repent that I have not been an overcomer. I repent that in the process of living on this earth as a Christian, instead the world has overcome me. But now, Lord Jesus, I cry unto you, please now make me an overcomer of the world that I may subdue the world, that I may subjugate the world, that I may conquer the world. I receive you once more in my heart. I receive you right now in my heart as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to establish my salvation as a pillar, an unshakable pillar that will catch the attention of God the Father that no matter the storms of this life and this world, I may remain standing and inherit the eternal kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and all the wonderful rewards that God has promised the overcomers, and all the wonderful tokens and rewards that you have promised those that will overcome. Let me resolve and have a total resolve against this world that nothing left or right, forward or back, 
will ever waver me and dissuade me from this mission. That I'll walk the course in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask you to anoint me with the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. Amen. Thank you, the Lord bless you, beloved people. I have seen the Messiah coming. I've also seen the glory of the Lord coming. May the Lord bless you. Seda. Seda Rabah. Bokesto. Seda. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the Yeah. Mm-hmm.